Amen. Mike, Missy, thank you. Let's give it up for them one more time. Thank y'all. Man, that's encouraging, challenging. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, I want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Blake. I get the privilege to serve here and, and serve this morning by teaching God's Word, and I'm excited about that. Uh, if you got your copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Actually going to start in chapter 10, verse 31, but mainly be in chapter 11. Uh, we were going through a series for Easter for three weeks about uh, this, the gospel changes everything. And it does, doesn't it? It changes everything. It changes everything for uh, Zacchaeus. It changed everything for the woman at the well. It changed everything for uh, Nicodemus. And it changed everything uh, in a guy's life by the name of Paul. And it changed his life. And through him, it changed a church, the church of Corinth. And we're, that's where we are, is 1 Corinthians. And so we're, we're jumping back into uh, our, our series, Be the Church. And here's what we know for the first 10 chapters, here's what we talked about, what it looks like to be a Christian outside the church. And we talked about marriage, and we talked about sex, and we talked about making gospel decisions, and, and what a Christian should look like outside the walls of a church. And now Paul's taking a turn, uh, 11 through 14, these chapters, is, is what Christians should look like in the church. And so he's primarily talking, remember this is written to Christians. And I'll be honest, we are in for a wild ride this morning. Buckle up. This is one of the toughest passages, my circles would say, the toughest passage in the New Testament to preach. Man, it's just hard. It's, it's hard if you just read through it. You don't know the context, you don't know the culture, and you just read it. You're going to be in for a mess. And so that's what we're here for is to try to break this thing Thing down, but man, it is tricky. And, and if I would agree with a guy named J.D. Greer, he said this to his congregation, I bet 90% of the people in the room have never heard this passage preached. And if you hadn't grew up in a Bible-preaching church where you go chapter by chapter and just preach the Word, you've probably not heard it preached. I've never heard it preached until about two uh, weeks ago, and I've never studied harder uh, for a sermon in my Life And so, man, it, it can be a doozy, but when we put the Word of God here and we say, you know what, I'm going to submit to God, I'm going to submit to His Word, man, the Holy Spirit has some great truths for us today. And we don't want to just skip over God's Word, but we want to dive in, and I believe it's going to be an awesome time together this morning. And so here we go, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 and we'll jump into 11, but here we go, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Live your life for his glory, not your own. Do everything for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or, or the church. In the, in the church, live for God's glory. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, Paul says, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And then he says in verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that's the kind of walk I want to have, where I can say, hey, just follow me. And when you follow me, you're following Jesus, because that's the direction that I'm going. Uh, can some of the men in the room this morning say to their wives, follow me as I follow Jesus. To your kids, follow me as I follow Jesus. What about the ladies in the room? Can you say to your kids or people around you, follow me as I follow Jesus? And this is the secret to spiritual authority. If you want to be over, you better learn to be under. If you want to be over your wife spiritually, you better be under Jesus. You want to be over your kids, you better be under Jesus. The secret to spiritual authority, in order to be over, you got to be under. Verse 2, he says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions or doctrines just as I passed them down to you. This church wasn't just hearing the word, and they were holding to the word and living the word. And now, now here he goes in verse 3, and you need to highlight it or circle it or put a star beside it, or take a picture of it. Praise God, do something. And this is his point, that verse 3. And so it's going to be my main point, but here's what he says. I want you to realize 
something, church. I want you to know something. The head of every man is Christ. The head of government, the head of the, the office, the, the, author, the authority, the head. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Now notice the sequence of spiritual authority. Now hang on with me. Notice a few things. First, there's three people in this text who's under authority. All right? The man's under authority. The woman's under authority. And Jesus is under authority. On the count of three, say Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. And, and watch this. He went man, woman, Jesus. Now you would think it would be God or Jesus, man, woman, maybe. Or, or I, that's what you would think. But he wants you to see this ain't about superiority or inferiority, about who's better, who's more valuable, none of that. It's about design. God's design and, and the roles that he's given us to play. And so, not just that, but notice there's three people in this text who's, who's over authority. And it's, it's one is, it says, God the Father is over the Son. The Son is over the man. And the man is over the woman, his wife. Key word, wife. And Paul continues in verse 4, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered, dishonors his head. Paul says, men, in this culture, in this context, not here, there, he says, men, stop covering your heads. If you pray or prophesy, don't wear a head covering. He says, you dishonor Jesus. Well, why? Because we're going to find out in a second, in that culture, that's what the women did. And Paul's saying, listen, men need to be men, women need to be women. Because God created male and female. Male and female, he created them. And he says, men, don't wear a head covering. You dishonor your head. And there's a lot of uh, guys who would worship idols and they would wear a head covering. And so Paul says, listen, don't let the world creep into the church. Let the church be a blessing to the world, be salt to the world. And then he goes in verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. Now notice the symbol of spiritual authority. Head coverings proclaim something. Now you shouldn't assume what head coverings are. The text doesn't say. And so we can't assume things that we don't know. And so we don't know what head coverings were. We do know it's not this full head covering. That's not what it was. It was either a shawl or more like a, just a wrap that you place on top of your head, that simple. Or it was your actual hair that you, you would let up or let down. And, and listen, it was a symbol that stated something. Biblical women, if they wore a head covering, something on their head, what they were saying is, I belong to him and I belong to him. I'm either faithful or unfaithful. I'm either under God's authority and the husband that he's given me, or I'm not. And so it actually was a symbol. That's not for today. If my wife walks in here with a head covering on, y'all ain't going to think, oh, God, look at her. She loves Jesus and her husband. She's being, that ain't what y'all are going to think. And so it's not a symbol for today, but it stated something really, really big. And so Paul says, women... In Corinth, cover your heads. And if you don't, you're dishonoring to your husband. Why? Because many prostitutes would let their hair down as a sign of intent. Look at me. Uh, I'm available. Or uh, as a sign of independency, they'd shave their heads in rebellion. they just, I'm independent. I do my own thing. But the Christian life and the married life is not an independent one. It's a dependent one. To follow Jesus is to be dependent on him. To be married, I'm dependent on Brandy. She's dependent on me. And so it's not a life of independency. And he goes on in verse 6 as if that wasn't enough. Thank you, Paul. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. It is a disgrace for women to have her hair cut off or her head shaved. 
so she should cover her head. And here's what he says. To rebel an inch is to rebel a mile. And he's talking to Corinth. And that stated something, much like a wedding ring, but not, not quite. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you're not going to be an Ephesian 5 woman, if you're not going to be submissive to your husband that you married, if you're not going to respect or honor him at all spiritually, and he's trying to lead and love you, if you want to just dress in a way that draws attention to yourself, if you want to do what you want, how you want, when you want, he's saying, don't be married. Or don't be a Christian. Or if he was talking to us in 22, man, if you don't want to love your husband, if you don't want to respect your husband, if you don't want to be submissive, go ahead and open up an OnlyFans account. Get on Bumble, get on Tinder. But listen, you can't worship God and be married independently. It's to be up under God and up under the man that you married. Verse 7, a man ought not to cover his head since he's the image and glory of God. But women is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman. Woman came from man. Adam didn't come from Eve. Eve was made from Adam. Verse 9. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And so here's the design. He gets some dirt, and he makes the man. And then he does the first surgery the world's ever seen. And he, boom, puts anesthesia. Boom, Adam goes out, gets a rib, and he makes woman from man for man. And that's the design of the woman. And then he says this in verse 10, it is for this reason, the design, God's design, it is this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head. And then he says, because of the angels. And I want you to notice the seriousness of spiritual authority because listen, right now, angels are worshiping God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when we gather here and we worship, it's like heaven and earth kiss. We're, they join us in worship. They look in to worship. And if anybody knows what submissiveness is like, it's the angels. And if anybody knows what rebellion is like, it's the angels. Because the first rebellion that the world has ever seen was by angels. Satan is a fallen angel and he says man remember the angels don't be rebellious to God's design but don't follow them but learn from them verse 11 nevertheless in the Lord women is not independent from man nor is man independent of woman and so if you think if anyone feels less than Paul sums it up he says no one is independent we're all dependent on each other. We're to be unified like God is unified, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we're to be unified. Uh, you say, well, I don't need a man. Well, if you, honey, if you want to get married, you do. Or if you want to have kids, you do. You say, well, I don't need a woman. Sir, you wouldn't be here without a woman. And so Paul says there should not be warfare in the church or in your house. We shouldn't be disunified, but we should be unified the same way the Father and the Son and the Spirit are unified. We bear His image. And so Paul's clear. Verse 12, For as women came from man, so also man is born of woman, but everything comes from God. And what he says is this, Eve came from Adam, but every man since has passed through the legs of a woman Every one of them, but God is head over all things. And so he's head over creation, he's head over womanhood, and he's head over manhood, and we need each other. Verse 13, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? And here's what he says. This is the question. Is it proper? Is it, is it proper for a woman to act like a man? Is it proper for a man to act like a woman? Is it proper to be married independently? Be married, but don't live like it. Is it right for women in the church and men in the church to get their view of womanhood and manhood outside in the world? Is it proper to worship God, 
but do it outside of his design and creation. This is a lot less about head coverings and a lot more about God's design that you're fearfully, wonderfully made, and he made you on purpose, for a purpose, and he says, play your role. Verse 14, does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? In that culture, it was, not here. 15, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory for long hair is given to her as a covering. And this is the answer. Paul says, look at the nature of things. Nature doesn't teach you how long or short your hair should be. But nature does teach us that a man should be a man and a woman should be a woman. Because that is his design, male and female. And that's his whole point. It's not that sin in us doesn't mess that up some. And we, we have different struggles and different things. That's, that's, it. that's life. But this is his design. This is, and even that, you look at the animal kingdom, even proves this and knows this. This is God's creation. Verse 16, if anyone wants to be contentious about this, if anyone wants to argue about this thing, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. And, and you read a text like that, and you, and you don't know everything. You don't look, look into the culture and the context. You say, well, well Blake, what are we going to learn from this? Well, I believe there's a lot to learn from this. And it's a lot less about head coverings. It's a lot more about submitting to God and his role and design for you in the world, in your house, and in the church. And so I got one point and three subpoints. And here's my point. And I want you to take a picture of it on the screen with your phone or type it in your notes uh, on your phone or maybe you have a journal. But point is this. Submission is the pathway to glorifying God, bearing his image, and experiencing eternal life. Submission glorifies God. It bears his image. It gives eternal life. It worships him, reflects him, and it brings you great joy in your life. And I want to point out three things, three subpoints on commission and, or submission, and here it is. A, I want to look at the example of Christ, the example of Jesus. Verse 3, he includes himself into the text. Now watch this, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, but listen, the head of Christ is God. And that's what I love about Jesus. Because he's not just our savior, he's our model. He shows us how to live. He is the God of the Bible and he's the God of creation. And the God of creation is the God of the manger, baby in a manger. And the God of the manger is the, is the savior of the world. And his name is Jesus. And that's what I love about Jesus. I've always said this. He's still trending number one. He's number one on iTunes. He's number one on Amazon. He's number one on Twitter. He is number one. Still today, his name is being proclaimed. It's all about Jesus. Now, I want you to think about the supremacy of Jesus over everything. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living Word, but the Word was made flesh. Hebrews 1 says he's the radiance of God's glory. You want to see what God looks like, you look at Jesus. He's the exact imprint of his nature. Colossians 1 says he, he is over all things. Everything was created by him, through him, for him. Revelation says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess He's Lord, and he is head over creation, yet he submitted. So he's supreme, but not just the supremacy of Christ. I want you to think about the submissiveness of Christ, because the Colossians 1 Jesus is the Philippians 2 Jesus. And listen to me. You, know, you say, Blake, I, I really love the gospel. God, God died for men. Well, that's submissiveness. You say, Blake, you know what I really love about Jesus? He washed the, the feet of Judas. He washed the disciples' feet. That's submissiveness. And this is the Jesus we love. 
We love all parts, but one of, some of our favorite things about Jesus was his submissiveness. Philippians 2 says he made himself nothing. Romans 5, 8, he demonstrated his love, that love for us and you. While you were yet sinners, he died for you then. Submissiveness. Matthew 13 says he washed the disciples' feet. The same Jesus that spoke out of a burning bush to Moses and said, boy, you better take your sandals off your own holy ground. Kneeled down and washed their feet. And listen to me, that's what I mean. We have a good God. Think about the example of Jesus. We have a God that doesn't just tell us what to do. He showed us how to do it. He gives us something to look at with our spiritual ears and eyes, and we read the Bible, and we see Jesus as our model. And Hebrews 12 says, look only to Jesus. Philippians 2 says, if you've been united with Christ, Christians, talking to Christians, had the same mindset as Jesus. That's what I mean by we have a good God. But that's what I mean by the example of Jesus. He doesn't just tell us what to do. He shows you and I how to do it. You hear Paul? Follow me as I follow Christ. Because to be a disciple is to be a Christ follower. Uh, growing in grace is becoming more like Jesus. And let me just tell you this. You'll never be more like the devil than when you're rebellious. And you'll never be more like Jesus than when you're submissive. And so not just the example of Jesus. Let's look at the design of God. Paul jumps back to Genesis. Uh, verse 7 says, A man ought not to cover his head since he's the image and glory of God, but woman is glory of man. Verse 8, For man did not come from woman, woman came from man. And so he jumps back to creation. Now listen, folks, either God created the world or he didn't. Now he either created male and female or he didn't. And we know that he did because that's what's in the room this morning. Once again, it's not that people don't struggle and have some struggles and sin issues. We all do in different ways. But he created male and female. That's his design. I remember one Christmas night, uh, I had to put together a bicycle for my son. Any man ever had to put together a bicycle? Praise God. I'd rather pay $100 more to get that thing off the shelf already made. And uh, my wife... My wife asked me, she said, you want to look at the directions? And I did what every man does. I said, no, I don't want to look at directions. It's a bicycle. I rode bikes all my life. I know what I'm doing. Well, two hours later, with that steering wheel on backwards and one wheel on, I thought, well, maybe the creator of the bicycle knows better than me. And don't you know, the creator of this world, if this true, if he created and designed everything perfect, sin fractured a bit, he designed it. He's got a plan and knows better than me and you. Kevin DeYoung says, if you want good theology, it begins in Genesis. That's where Paul went, and he's the maker of humanity. He created male and female. Male and female, he created them. And if you want to know how your role works, you've got to understand why he created you in the first place, and he created you to be an image bearer. And he starts with Adam. He starts with the man. And listen to me, up until this, everything's good. Let there be day, good. Let there be night, good. Animals, good, 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 good. Then he makes man, and he's like, this ain't good. Why ain't it good? Adam didn't say it wasn't good. Adam didn't say, you know what, I really wish I had a wife right now. Adam didn't say, I'd like to have some sex right now. Adam didn't say anything. God declared this is not good. Why is it not good, God? Because I've created mankind to bear my image. And how can Adam bear my image by himself when God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Adam ain't having kids by himself. Adam ain't being married by himself. That's his design. And he created the, the Father, and the Son loves the Father, submits to the Father, and then the Son loves the Holy Spirit. It's this dance that goes, and that's what we're created to do. God is more interested, not in how great I am, or you are, or how smart we are, 
or on the totem scale, male here, female here. He's more interested in portraying his image to the world. And the church house should be a place where the world looks in and says, that's what it looks like to be a man. That's what it looks like to be a woman. That's what God is interested in. And so then he created the woman. And she was created from man, for man. And you have the male and you have the female and they're one, their oneness, their unity. And what he's trying to do, this is called headship. The first father to ever give a bride away was God. He brought Eve to Adam. Now, now when Brandy was born, uh, she had a spiritual headship over her head. She didn't ask about it. She just had one. His name is Brad Haythcock. Right? It's her daddy. She didn't get a choice. She was born, boom. He's in control. He is, uh, he is inherited headship over her when she turned 21 I got her y'all I got her she she I gave her my last name and now here's what happened and and I don't think we knew this because I wasn't even saved I didn't know what was going on but her daddy walks her down the aisle and he passes her off to me what's happening there here's what's happening He's yours now. She's yours now. He's over you now. He's, re he's taking the responsibility. He's the father of you now. He, he's going to answer for you one day. I've done my job. I'm still here, but he is yours now. And so that's headship. And what God is trying to do is get us into the dance, y'all. The father, son, spirit. The, the dance. The father's talking about the son. The son submits to the father and then the spirit. And they're all one. And they're in love and they're unified. That's what he's trying to do with marriage. That's why you have headship and submissiveness and all this thing. It ain't about being awesome. It's about God's design. And so listen to me. That's why he gave instruction to Adam, not Eve. Adam, don't eat of the fruit. He's the head, and he told her that. And she didn't listen, and he didn't listen either. They both met. And we didn't listen either. And, and then, now listen to this. Where did God go when they did wrong? He did not say, hey, y'all come here. He said, Adam, you come here. And he's answering for everything, for both of them, because he is headship. Now listen to me. The man was created to lead. The woman was created to help him lead. Same, same value, same equality, same image of God, different shape. And women are superior to men at being women, and men are superior to women at being men. And people should look inside the church and see what it's like to be a man and a woman. And the problem in Corinth is they were letting the world shape manhood and womanhood instead of them shaping the world. And so here, I want to serve as well this morning. I want to look at first the biblical man. Keyword, biblical. Because the truest thing about manhood is what the Creator says about manhood. And so, man, the man bears God's image. And so here's what the man does. One is he submits to Jesus. You want to be over? Well, well, men, you better start being under. You got to be under. You follow me as I follow Christ. And so he submits to Jesus. Verse 3, I want you to realize the head of every man is Jesus. Verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. And here's the truth. You can't be over if you ain't willing to be under. Men submit to Jesus. Not only that, but two... Men, he leads his family. He loves his wife. This is biblical headship. Sacrificial, not domineering. Jesus gave us the example. Jesus didn't take the kingdom over by force. He took the kingdom over by submission. Matter of fact, when he found out that they were trying to make him king by force, he withdrew. And so he took the kingdom over by submission. Submission to God. And so he's our example. And he gives us instruction. Ephesians 5, he says, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, how's that? Well, Christ died for the church. And so Paul paints this picture, and here's the picture he paints. Men, go stand up under the cross, and you look up at the cross. I want you to lead your wife like that. I want you to love your wife like that. I want you to lead your families like that, that is leadership. The leader dies for the one being 
led. Biblical authority reflects God's authority. Now, there's a guy named Mark Dever. He shares an example. Uh, and when the Titanic went down, they said all women and children come. 75% of the women that were on that ship got off. 50 to 55% of all kids made it out alive. 15 to 20% of the men made it off. Why only 15 and 20%? Because back then, men knew what it was like to be a man. And they used their leadership not to serve themselves, but to lay down their lives for their wives and their children. And that's what men do spiritually. They, they serve their family. They lay down their lives. And by the way, that's easy leadership to follow. That's easy leadership to submit to. You know, people have asked me sometimes, they'll say, Blake, how do you and Billy get along so well? Man, y'all seem to work well together. You want to know how? I submit. I just do what he tells me to do. He's the man. He's the head of staff. He's the head of the church. He's the head guy in charge. It doesn't mean he's all that in a bag of chips. It just means God's placed him there. And so I know that he loves me. And I know that he cares for me. And I know he leads with my best interest in mind. And when you have that kind of leadership, that's easy leadership to follow. And that's the type of leadership we want as husbands. I want my wife to want to follow me. I'll follow that man anywhere. My kids, I'll follow him anywhere because he loves me and serves me. And he's got my best interest in mind. That's what it looks like to be a man. Biblical headship isn't using authority to do what you want to do. It's using your authority to do what you ought to do. That is leadership. And he disciples his kids. And he, he tells us, he doesn't just, Jesus didn't just tell us what to do, he showed us what to do. And a man doesn't just tell his kids what to do, he shows them how to do it. And he will answer one day to God for his headship. Adam, come here. Let me talk to you. Adam. Come here, I want to, well, we got to talk about this. He will answer one day. So men, lead your family. Lead your family. Lead your family spiritually. Lead your family. Lead your wife. Lead your kids. And this is why it can be so scary sometimes to be a husband or a father because the collateral damage of our rebellion is our wife and kids. That's the damage. And he says, listen, be a leader. And ladies, you don't want that weight. You don't want, you don't want that weight. Tony Evans says, when God tells Christian women to submit, what he's telling them is to dunk down so he can punch your husband in the face. That's what he's saying. And, and so he leads his family. Not just that, he leads in God's church. God's heart for men is to be spiritual leaders in the house and in the church. He wants men leading the church. Acts chapter 6, the disciples needed to continue teaching. And they needed some, someone to step up and serve the widows. Here's what the text says. Find seven men. Here's what uh, we see. Twelve disciples. Men. What about Martha and Mary? I'm going to talk about them in a minute. They probably loved Jesus more than, than these punks. But, but they were men. Twelve disciples, men. Certain roles in the church are for men. Uh, you think about elders or shepherding pastors. Men. But sadly, there's a shortage of male leaders in the church today. We have a lot of males, but we don't have a lot of men. Uh, Ezekiel 22:30 says, and I sought for a man to fill in the gap, but he found none. And we might not have men covering their heads, but we got men covering their roles. And single men in here, I tell you, start leading now. Because if you're not leading now, you're probably not going to lead your wife later. But lead now. True manhood says, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, uh, biblical womanhood. 
key word, biblical, because the truest thing about being a woman is what God says about being a woman, and a woman reflects the gospel. Uh, she bears God's image, and here's what she does. She submits to Jesus. She loves Jesus. And she says, man, God created me for his glory, and I wanna submit to him. And this is where she finds true identity because this identity can't be taken from her. And she is rooted in Christ. She doesn't dumb herself down. But man, she flourishes in the gospel. This is where she finds her purpose, to walk in the design that God created for her. And she learns how to be a woman. And she, she, she learns not to be tossed around by her feelings, but she stands on the word of God and she submits to the word. And because she submits to Jesus, she also submits to her husband. And man, this used to scare me. I remember my first premarital counseling when I had to sit down and talk about being a leader and being submissive. And I was like, oh my God. You got, and you gotta be careful around, around women because they got claws, man, they'll get you. And I just remember thinking, woo, I gotta, I gotta study up on this thing. And it gets a bad rap. Submissive is a sign of strength, not weakness. It gets a bad rap. And so man, here's what it's not. It's not a doormat where you just get walked on or it's a sign of strength and weakness. That's not what being submissive is. It's, it's not a game of Simon Says where, you're, where your husband just tells you what to do and you just do it. That ain't what it is. It's not a rivalry you against your husband. You're not walking out in front of your husband, leaving him. You're not walking behind him because you're not important. You're not standing off to the side, hackling him and talking about what a loser he is. You link arms with him and you help him in his ministry because marriage is a ministry. That's what it is. You're half the ministry. You are half the ministry. That's what it does. It helps your husband. You're a helper. I think about Brandy. I couldn't do half the things I do without her. I mean, I can't. I can't do all that God's called me to do without her. I, she's half, half the ministry. I can do a lot, but if she ain't linked arms with me walking forward, then we're not going to go as far as we would if she did. And so, man, it's, it's, she's a helper. And so here's, here's the picture. Remember, he went back to Genesis. And so here's the picture. Everything's good. He created light. Good. Day. Good. Night. Good. Animals. Good. 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 And then he creates the man. And this is a man handmade by God. Now, you want to talk about, I mean, I believe he's just one of the manliest men ever. Handmade by God. And, and there he is in the garden. Adam. Riding the back of a buffalo, cowboy hat, cigar hanging out of his mouth. Shotgun on his back. He's ready to conquer. Not really, but like, you get the point. And, and, God, and God goes, steps back and goes, Ooh, yeah, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. Why is it not going to work? Because he wants his image to be bared. And so he made a helper. A helper to help him, suitable for him. And the helper, the same Hebrew word for helper is God helps his people. And what's the Holy Spirit called? The helper. And I'm not trying to compare women to the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying you better not dumb down the word helper and submission because you'd have to dumb down Jesus. This ain't about you making a sandwich for your husband because he's too lazy to get up off the couch and do it. It's a divine helper. It's man-made by God. And your husband can't be what God's called him to be, and he can't do what God's called him to do without your help. And I would say you can't either without his. You need each other. And when you walk in that purpose, you'll, you'll do big things in the church and big things in the world. It also surrenders your heart to God. Because Ephesians 5.22 says, Submit your own to your own husbands as to the Lord. And there's nothing in our flesh that wants to submit to a, nothing in us that wants to do that. Sin in us doesn't. So what we're saying is, God, this is for you. It's an act of worship to God. I trust you. I trust you in this. I, I will follow my husband and love him like you love me. And it portrays the gospel because the world doesn't understand why a biblical woman lives her life the way she does. And it makes you more like Jesus. Because you're never more like Jesus than when you're submissive. 
and you're never more like Satan than when you rebel and you say, well, Blake, Jesus submitted to the Father. You're asking me to submit to my husband. Have you seen my husband? I got Bozo the Clown over here. He can't even remember to get bread at the grocery store. You know what you're asking? And, and then I tell you this. You remember in Isaiah where it says, it pleased the Father to crush him. And then you remember a garden where Jesus three times says, Lord, if there's another way besides me being separated, can we, can we go that way? And in the Father's silence, he speaks loud and says, you are the way. And this is the way. And when you walk up to a cross, as blood drips down, and you see the image of Jesus, and then you remember what he created you for, and that'll have me and any other person willing to submit to his design. She submits to her husband. Hey, she disciples her kids. She tells her kids, follow me as I follow Christ. Not just that, she serves in the church. It says in verse 5, every woman who prays and prophesies. They were praying and they were prophesying. They were serving big in the church. Women have, listen to me, women have always flourished in Christianity. Always. Jesus has always lifted women up. Always. Listen, the woman at the well, she got the first I am statement. I am he. The virgin birth, woman gave birth to a savior of the world, a woman. An empty tomb, first on the scene, women. Why were they first on the scene? Because they were first on the scene. That's why. They probably loved Jesus more. And women are still always first, it seems like. And we need some men to be first. We ought to tear that door down getting in here on Sunday, ready to pray and ready to serve. First to open the Bibles, first to lead our families. But they were first, the first evangelists in the world to share the news, women. And they have all the spiritual gifts men do, all of them. They served as leaders in the church, some of the best leaders in the church in history, women. Elizabeth Elliot, stud, missionary, completed what Jim couldn't do. Jim Elliot was her husband. Jackie Hill Perry, 32-year-old black woman, she will put me under the table. I'd be nervous just to talk to her about God. She knows way more than I know. Jen, uh, Jen, 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 uh, Jen Wilkin, Priscilla Shire, Tony Evans' daughter. Tony Evans is a boss. Wrote his own commentary, a boss. His son is a pastor in his church. His daughter preaches better than him. But his daughter ain't a pastor. Why? Why, Tony? Why are you making him a pastor and not her? She's still teaching. She's still using her spiritual gifts. Well, there's, there's one reason. Only count three say one. One, two, three. One. Just one. Just one. One role. One role in the church. An elder and an overseer. Why? Why is a head pastor an elder for men alone? Why? Because of design, the Trinity, reflecting God's image. That's why. The same way there's, there's only one role for a woman that men will never do, and that's bear children. You get to give life. Like God, you birth children. There's not a man in, on this planet. There's not one man ever or ever will that'll know what that's like. Praise God. I don't want to know what it's like. But it's set aside for women. It's for women. And guess what? Not just that. Listen, is, is it got to do with skill? No, I ain't skilled at nothing. I just ain't a very skilled person. Is it got to do with being smart? Nope. There's some women in here right now. Put me under the table. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near as smart as they are. Does it got to do with strength? No. Say, Blake, are you stronger than Brandy? Absolutely. She don't stand a chance. We wrestle all the time. Ain't got nothing to do with strength. It's got to do with roles and portraying God's image to the world. 
It's got to do with men and women inside the church looking different than those outside. We have a saying at our church, it's all about Jesus. This passage is all about Jesus. It's got to do with the gospel. And it's a beautiful thing. Only women can be women and only men can truly be men by design. And this is the church we want to be. We want to see women flourish. I think about our Connection Women's Conference. We have this women doing that. We ain't got a men's. I think about a, a girl by the name of Anna on staff. She, she's over women's discipleship, one of the best disciple makers I've ever seen. I think about Laura Kilgore, who's our kids coordinator. She's better with volunteers than anybody I've ever seen do it. I think about our blue team leaders on Sunday mornings. They're doing devotions and stuff. They're all women. I think about a girl by the name of Caitlin Macker who runs social media for us and does a great job. And she's a great mom to her kids. And I look at her and how she's a mom, and I think that challenges me as a dad. But it's women. Our kids team, women. Our prayer team, women. Mostly Women, even our security team, I don't know about now, but I know in the past we've had women serve on that. And you don't want to mess with a woman with a gun. And, but women, and what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say we'd be nowhere without our women. We want to be a church that doesn't prevent women, but pursues women to serve. We don't want to see women as subordinates. We want to see them as siblings and sisters in Christ. And not only do we want to see women flourish, we want to see men win. We want to see men at Connection Church. God wants you to step up and lead. He's gave you authority to do so. But you won't do it if, until you come up under him. You're under him before you can be over anything. And we want men to lead in their homes, lead at the dinner table, lead their wife in Bible study, lead on church. We want them to lead. We want to see men when and see the last thing is we see the instruction of Paul. Verse 16 says, if anyone wants to be contentious, we have no other practice. Why? Because God's design. God intended it to be this way for the sake of his image, the Trinity shining forth. And here's his point. Here's his point. Listen, you can't go fishing with a golf club and you can't golf with a fishing pole. You use what it was designed for to do what it was designed to do. And here's Paul's point, men, be a man of God. And God's design is good. Our world needs to see it. Your family needs to see it. Our church needs to see it. But sin is rebellious and passivity in us wants to do the opposite. We get inherited from Adam, and so we got to own our responsibility, and we got to reject passivity. And Satan is crafty, and he does not want men to bear God's image. He wants men to try to bear their own image. I'm telling you, man, he doesn't want you doing anything eternal. As long as you can hang enough bucks on your wall and trophies on your shelf and watch ESPN, he's good with that. But he don't want men to step into what they're destined for. And he wants women to be women of God. God's design is good. And our world needs to see it. And your family needs it. And our church needs it. And sin is rebellious. I'm closing, I promise. Here's what he told Eve. He said, your desire will be for your husband, but he'll rule over you. That word desire means mastery. The same way he says, sin crouches at your door and desires to have. The woman desires her husband, wants to rule over her husband. That's the sin in Eve. That's what he says. And man, he doesn't, Satan's crafty and he doesn't want you bearing God's image in the world. He wants to trick you, I'm telling you. He wants to trick you. And we want to be a man of God, be a woman of God, and we want to submit to the Son of God. And my closing challenge is one, if you can't submit to Jesus, don't get married. Don't do it. I'm telling you. If you can't love the person, if you can't lead her spiritually, don't get married. And if you can't love them the way God loves you unconditionally, don't get married. Because that's a contract, not a covenant. And I'd tell you, if you, I would tell you to find a church that you can submit to. And if you go to this church and you say, oh, I can't submit to them. Well, go to this church. You say, well, I can't submit to them. Well, go to this church. Well, I can't submit to that leadership. Well, go to this church. And if you can't, it's probably sin in you. 
And so it's probably because we're not submitted to God. And so my question is, what's on your head? Everybody's under authority to somebody. What's on your head? Our heads don't need to be covered. Our sins need to be covered. Is Jesus the head of your life? You know Jesus wore a head covering. It was a crown of thorns. You know he had a symbol over his head. It said, king of the Jews. And he is king. He is king. And you'll never be the man God wants you to be. And you'll never be the woman God wants you to be until you experience his love for you and step into that calling. Jesus is the head over all creation. And he's the head of every Christian because he crushed the head of Satan by being crushed for sinners. And here's what I tell you. Submission is the pathway to glorifying God, bearing his image, and experiencing eternal life. That's the door to heaven. Nobody on this earth will walk through the heaven like this. Nobody. Nobody's going through the gates of heaven with a swag. Because we're not awesome. He's awesome. And we come through the gates submitted. That's what it looks like. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, that you wouldn't tell us what to do without showing us. That you would so love the world that you would send your son and your son would submit to you for your sake and for the sake of sinners. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. If you're in here this morning and you say, Blake, I've never submitted my life to Jesus. I'm not the woman that God's created me to be. I'm not the man that God's created me to be. And I want to submit my life to Jesus. Will you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? I just want to pray for you. Amen. God, we love you. We thank you for your son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, that's it, guys. Hope you all have a good week. See you all back next week.